Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This guy has been waiting with bated breath to make his triumphant return after what happened Super Bowl Sunday. He's ready to rock and roll as we are about to enter two of the best weeks of the year. Championship week into the NCAA tournament. Hopefully the coronavirus will not get in the way. Let's welcome in Sam Panayanovich, Chicken Dinner Podcast, NBC Sports Chicago. And let's get a sense with what's going on with a couple of these matchups and whatnot. Sammy boy, long time no speak. What's happening, dude? You make it sound like the Super Bowl was bad. I had the under. I had I'm the not making it sound like it's bad. I- I'm just pointing out that you haven't been on the show since the Super Bowl. You know what else we talked about, actually, going into the Super Bowl, was we talked about the, uh, the potential of a quarterback scoring the first touchdown. And Mahomes, I don't think he should have scored first, but that was when they were inside the three, and they had two cracks, and then he bootlegged it in. So we actually had a pretty good Super Bowl. But actually, I wanted to start here. I wanted to know if it's worth my money. How many points do I need to get to take Hofstra in the first round? And is Dejore Blue going to score 40 again in the tournament game? I don't know. These are the questions I wonder, like, if they're playing Villanova or Seton Hall in the first round and Hofstra is getting 12 or 13 points, are we firing? I think we're going to have to. I think we got to, Sammy. Look, they got the mojo going right now. They got a ton of veteran experience. They have this sort of team that at the very least should be able to keep them in a game. The only thing that would concern me, if they're going up against the Seton Hall, if they're going up against the Villanova, knowing what Hofstra is going to bring to the table. That would scare me a little bit. I'd almost rather Hofstra get somebody that hasn't seen them, that has no idea what they're going to get. I think they could catch a team like that sleeping a little bit more. That's what I think the spread would be. I think we're talking about 12 or 13 points. Obviously, they're a very little team, but they've got some guards that could shoot. Uh, Blue had 44 against Elon, 35 against Towson, 29 against UCLA. Obviously, he'll be the focal point of any team's game plan, but uh, I like what they've done. Uh, they were the best team in the conference. Obviously, they win the tournament. You had the coach on the show today. So uh, that's the number I- I'm going to make at 12 or 13. But I didn't I didn't want to take over your show. It's your show. Nah, nonsense. That's why we bring you on. I have a little banter, a little back and forth. I don't worry about uh, anybody sharing the mic with me. Come on now, Sammy. So conference tournaments, my friend. We now are going into Wednesday. Now you have a lot of the big boys matching up. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you have these odds that can look very appealing, that can look very juicy as far as somebody winning the tournament. What's your overall strategy normally when it comes to playing conference tournaments? I usually hate the conference tournaments because I think it's very hard sometimes, especially when you get to the bigger conferences, when you have a team that's won a couple of games and then they play a team that hasn't played in a week. I I hate that stuff. I've never been a big day-to-day conference tournament better. I think the future market is the way to go. Um, but I've always been a bigger fan 
of the NCAA tournament when teams are playing on the same schedule. You know, the Thursday, the Saturday, the Friday, the Sunday. The conference tournaments are always weird. In the Big Ten, though, that's always been my best conference, and I've loved to find the right unders. Uh, like today, uh, coming up on Wednesday, I'm looking at this total, Northwestern and Minnesota, open 138, got blasted right away to 137. I think that total is going to close at 135. So on a day-to-day basis in the Big Ten, I'm looking for the right under with the right teams to play at the right pace. That was a tournament for years. I used to blind bet the unders. Remember we were in college, like 2021, and we bet every single game. Like, I think one year I bet every single under the first eight games, and they went seven and one the under. Now, I don't do that anymore because I'm not that reckless. But I think those are two teams that are so slow and so bad offensively. I think that final score is going to be like, 65 to 55 or something like that. Like, I don't see it touching 137. So on a day-to-day basis, I do like that game uh, on Wednesday, Northwestern Minnesota under. And then as far as the future, my favorite future in any of the conferences that we can still bet, I love Kentucky to win the SEC. And I see a couple shots there, plus 250. This is just Coach Cal's time. And this team is getting hot. Nick Richards is playing really well. That team, I think, is going to roll through the conference tournament in the SEC. I like them a lot at plus 250. It's a good price. It's not like a Kansas price where it's minus 125 or something. Plus 250, I'm interested in Coach Cal to cut down the nets in the SEC. Well, it's amazing, Sam. You mentioned Kentucky being plus 250 to win the SEC. I'm looking right now, and I'm seeing Kentucky plus 170 to win the SEC. So you got yourself some real good value on that. And I'm with you there. I think they're the best team in the conference. I don't believe in Florida. I don't believe in LSU. And I think the only team, to be honest with you, Sam, that I would like maybe in a potential matchup with the Wildcats would be Auburn. That's about it. Yeah, that's not a bad call. Uh, And, of course, all these prices are different depending on where you shop. And as you know, you've got different markets in different states. And, of course, you've got the Vegas market. I think Westgate, at plus 250, I do see a couple plus 170s and plus 180s. Somebody was trying to sell me on Arkansas at 20 to 1, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, everybody's always got their opinions on a long shot. Somebody told me, oh, bet the Paul 200 to 1. I said, why don't you just send me that money, and then I'll light it on fire because they're going to lose by 20 in the first game. So it is what it is. Um, if you're looking for a Big Ten sleeper, though, and, and you like the sleepers, I'm telling you, this Wisconsin team has really started to turn it up. And this is ironically after Kobe King transferred and left the program. Ever since Kobe King left, and many people thought that that was going to be the downfall of Wisconsin, they've won eight in a row. They're 9-1 and in their last 10 games. And, And Wisconsin, as you know, because you're a savant like me, you watch all these teams and all these games, Wisconsin's never going to beat themselves. They don't follow you. They make their free throws. They never turn it over. That's a team that doesn't give you free points. And I think if you're looking for a flyer on a well-coached team that actually is a top 30 team in the country at a good price, yeah, Michigan State's the best. Then it's Maryland, then probably Michigan. But would you be surprised at all if Wisconsin goes to the semis or the final in the Big Ten tournament? I wouldn't. And if I can get 7-1 to on Wisconsin, they don't even have to win the tournament. They just have to make it into the 4-2 or two. And then I can go ahead and hedge it and get creative. I think Wisconsin is a very good team, and they're playing right at the proper time. Eight and one, or sorry, nine and one in their last ten. They've won eight straight, and Wisconsin never ever beats themselves. I like that logic. I want to give you a team that you know very well in the Big Ten. I think there's great value here. I know they have a lot of work to do if they're going to win the Big Ten tournament. But Sammy, what are your thoughts on Illinois plus nine hundred? 
I mean, they have been spunky. They've been tough. They're well coached with Underwood. I'm getting plus 900 with the Illini to make a run in the conference tournaments. What are you feeling? Uh, I think I feel about Illinois the way you feel about Syracuse. And obviously it's different because Illinois had a better season. I'm worried about the secondary scoring for Illinois. And Desunmu, number 11, Ayo Desunmu is a stud. He's going to be in the NBA whether he leaves this year or the next year. I just worry that he doesn't have enough help on the wing. Uh, Trent Fraser is very hit or miss. He's the southpaw shooter uh, who's been playing actually a lot of point guard. But they've been really, really good defensively. I worry about their scoring, though. And uh, the big issue is now the freshman, Kofi Coburn, the kid out of Jamaica who actually played his high school ball in uh, New York State. He's been in foul trouble a lot. And that's what happens when you have a freshman who's still learning the game uh, he's seven foot two ninety. He's a monster, and he's going to be on a lot of draft boards going into the next year. But I just don't know that they have the scoring depth uh, to make a run in either tournament. Can they win a couple games here and there? Yeah, of course. Uh, but Illinois is going to be a whole lot better next year. Uh, that's when they have a better recruiting class coming in. They only have like two seniors that actually play. That team is going to be loaded next year. Uh, can they win the Big Ten tournament? I probably not. Like I said, I don't think they have enough scoring depth. They got one or two guys that can score and get them buckets. But in the Big Ten tournament, this is the third time you're going to see this team. Like Iowa, Illinois, that's going to be a hell of a game. That's going to be a war uh, when they meet in the 4-5 game. And I could see either team winning that game. And then it's tough. If you win the 4-5 game, then guess what? You get Michigan State. So I don't like their path, and I don't like their secondary scoring. It's a nice value bet at 9-1, to sure. But I don't see them getting out of the Michigan State game alive. Sam Pettianovich, Chicken Dinner Podcast, NBC Sports Chicago, running through some futures as far as the conference tournaments are concerned. And, Sammy, if we get a Rutgers-Michigan game, not if, we will get a Rutgers-Michigan game, I want to say, on Thursday in an 8-9. What would your guess on that line be? Rutgers, to me, is in. They did what they needed to do against Maryland and Purdue, finally getting that road win. You had to take a guess, Rutgers and Michigan. What would that line be? Well, knowing how people will bet that game, I'd probably make, I think the true line is probably Michigan minus two, but because you know, and I know that everybody's going to bet Michigan, I think the bookmakers would probably hang a three and a half or a four Um, on a neutral. It's hard to make Michigan any higher than that, even though, and I'm not saying Michigan can't win by eight, nine or 10. I'm just talking about trying to get equal action here and balance the checkbook. I think the true line is probably Michigan minus two, but if they hang minus two, they're going to get hammered. The Sharps are going to lay two. Then the public's going to lay two and a half, three, three and a half. They'll get the four, and then the market will sort of settle. I would probably, if I were a bookmaker, I'd open at Michigan minus three and a half or minus four. What about you? Yeah, I think that's a very fair line, and you are absolutely right. You will see the money come in on Michigan. That goes without saying. They're programmed with pedigree. They've won in the Big Ten tournament a ton over the last few years, but there is a big difference. Juwan Howard, now the head coach. John Beeline's going to be doing stuff for the Big Ten Network, so that changes things a little bit. Okay, Sam, let's get to the Big East. Everyone around town all fired up. Seton Hall having their best regular season since the days of P.J. Carlissimo. I see it as a three-horse race to win this conference tournament. Creighton, Seton Hall, Villanova. Do you agree? I actually like Butler a little bit, but I, I let me admit I have a Butler problem. And I've had a Butler problem since Brad Stevens was there. It used to be a good problem because they cashed a lot of tickets. And I've still 
found myself multiple times at the Butler window, and uh, they haven't been the same team in the in the tournaments, both the Big Dance and the conference tournaments, since Brad Steve's left, unfortunately. So, yeah, I mean, you look at the odd board, they're all about plus 300, depending on where you shop. you got Pirates at about 250, Wildcats 3-1, to one, Blue Jays plus 350. Uh, it's different in different markets. I, for some reason, Providence is like the same team every single year. Uh, they get into the big tournament. They're like the eight of the nine seed, and then they lose in triple overtime. I feel like that's the same Providence team every year. Uh, but, yeah, I, Butler, like I said, I've got a Butler problem, so I'm biased there. I really love their program, and I love how they've always been able to bring in the right coach. I don't think the talent is what it once was a decade ago. But, yeah, I think Seton Hall is, uh, is the favorite slightly. I just love Miles Powell. And this was a, a team, I talked about this on NBC before the season, Seton Hall was like 65-1 to 1 to win the tournament. And we, we hammered Seton Hall 65-1. to 1. Now they're 25-30-1. or 30 to 1. Uh, The Big East throws a gauntlet, man. That tournament, I feel like even if Seton Hall doesn't win the Big East tournament, they can still go to the Final Four. So uh, conference tournaments, anything goes. I think, I think the stress of playing every single day gets to some teams. Some teams it doesn't affect. I just, like I said, I have a better track record picking in the big dance than the conference tournament. But to answer your question, of course, hey, you look at the odd boards and you look at the teams on paper, I'd go Seton Hall one, I'd go Villanova two, and then Creighton three. Okay, Sammy, this is the worst ACC I have ever seen in my life. I can't remember a year in which the ACC has been this mediocre. Yet you have Florida State, who's probably going to be a two or a three seed. You have Duke, and you have Virginia, and you have Louisville. The rest of these teams leave a lot to be desired. But I was really thinking about the idea of taking a flyer on North Carolina to go on a crazy run. The problem is the idea of winning Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, it just is so absurd. How would you handicap the ACC tournament at this point? Is there anybody you like? I think Duke's going to win the conference tournament. I really do. I just think they have the most talent. Uh, of all the teams. And, of course, we can't really bet this anymore, uh, at least in the legal markets, because once the tournament starts, you can't technically bet it anymore. But you and I know you can find somewhere to get it down. Um, I, I think Duke's going to win the ACC tournament. I just think the cream will rise in that conference. Florida State, I just can't trust Leonard Hamilton uh, to cut down nets. I just don't see it. Louisville's interesting. Uh, they do have a good roster. I really liked them before the season, but I've sort of – soften my stance on how good they are. I just haven't seen them string stretches together that I've been impressed with. Um, I've, I'm very perplexed on, on the Wednesday game, though, not to dodge your question. Oh, I guess I didn't dodge it. I said I like Duke with the tournament uh, in the ACC, but I can't wrap my hands around this game, Cuse and UNC tomorrow. Oh, and I can. I'll want- make it very simple for you, Sam. Whatever you feel comfortable with, take it and throw it down on North Carolina. Syracuse has lost nine straight to the Tar Heels. North Carolina dominates the 2-3 zone. This is the worst Syracuse defense I've ever seen. I think North Carolina in front of their home faithful in Greensboro will win that game comfortably later on today. Man, I, see, I don't know if that's a head or heart pick from my boy JJ. That's the only problem. Here, here's, where I'm, here's where I'm torn because this is such a strange year. Carolina's 14-18 and 18 right now. And the Orange are atrocious on defense. Like, what are, what are those two things been the same in the same season? I, I go back to, what, 1980 or something like that? The thing about Carolina is they played an awful Virginia Tech team 
They were 7 of 13 from 3, and they shot 25 free throws. Are they going to get to the line that much against the Orange? Like, I, I, I just don't think they're going to play that well in back-to-back games because they haven't really done it all season. But if you feel that strongly against your boys, I, I guess I have to roll with you. Well, I'm not going to play it. I can't do it. My heart gets in the <laughs> way, Sam. You just said bet, you just said bet the I farm. gave you friendly advice from one friend to another. It doesn't mean that I'm going to take you up on that advice because the last thing I want to do is have my night ruined on Wednesday, losing a couple of shekels, and seeing Syracuse be the reason why I'm losing a couple of shekels. I mean, that's a lose-lose for me, dude. Yeah, see, you feel the same way about Q's the way I feel about Illinois. That happens. I mean, we talk about it with our heads, but then we think about it with our hearts. But it, it makes total sense. Um, by the way, can you take a shot? Do you know who the uh, number two player is in the AL MVP market right now? We know Mike Trout's the favorite. He's minus 125. Do you know who the second player is at the Westgate right now? Wow, that is a great, great question. Number two player AL MVP, I can guarantee it's not going to be anybody on the New York Yankees. Um, how about this for a guess? I'm just throwing this out there. Josh Donaldson with the Minnesota Twins. No, man. You, you had it. Glaber Torres. Really? Right is that right? Seven See, I'm, surpri- I'm very surprised by that, Sam. I'm very surprised. Because there is Seven such a bias. Right you know this, Seven Sam. There's such one. a bias against... New York athletes, specifically Yankees, when it comes to winning postseason awards. That's actually a really good call by you. But, yeah, when this market opened up, it was Trout, Judge, Lindor, Bregman, and Betts in that order. Obviously, Betts no longer in the league. Aaron Judge, who knows when he's ever going to play again. And uh, Alex Bregman, is he going to be locked in between the years this year with all the times that they're going to be thrown at, how many times they're going to get booed? It'll be an interesting year for the Astros. Uh, but right now, the pecking order to win the AL MVP, Mike Trout, minus 125. And, of course, he's won it three times, 14, 16, and 19. Torres, 7-1. And then Frankie Lindor is 12-1. to There's a lot of hype on Torres. And John Murray from the Westgate told me that he's seen some of his better betters, guys that win money year after year. They've come in and they've bet on Glaber Torres, not only to win the MVP, which knocked him down from about, I think, 20-1 to 1 down to 7-1. to 1. They've also bet him on the home run total over. He opened at 30-and-a-half, and right now the home run total for the 2020 season on Glaber Torres, 32-and-a-half bomb. That's pretty high, isn't it? You play at Yankee Stadium, you get 18-19 and 19 games with the Baltimore Orioles. We know how he dominated the Orioles last season, Sam. I, I like the over on that. I would not put money down on Torres to win the MVP, I could easily see him going over when it comes to that total. Now, you mentioned some baseball stuff. This is a New York baseball town through and through. Futures, over-unders. We have not had a conversation in about five or six weeks. Is there one or two season totals that you absolutely love? Yeah, I like the Cleveland Indians under a whole lot. And here's why. I think that they're going to be sort of behind the eight ball by the time we get to June and July. And obviously they've moved Corey Kluber, who was the rock in their rotation. And you have a couple guys that have been on the trading block. We just mentioned Lindor, who could be there, might not be. But if the Indians are, say they're seven or eight games back in June or July, they're going to start selling and they're going to flip this thing around. So I think the Cleveland Indians right now, I see 86 and a half for the win total. And I can get plus 110 on the under at a couple places. I think that's a very good bet because 
I don't think that they're going to try and win long-term this season. And, and that's how I really play the futures. Are they buyers or sellers? And you have a lot of contracts coming up. You have a lot of things that are going to change there in Cleveland. So I like the under 86.5 on the Indians, which leads me to one of my favorite future bets. And, yeah, I'm biased. I'm wearing my sock boxers right now. But you saw this team last year, man. We were at that game when Eloy Jimenez hit two home runs against your Bombers, and you're like, hey, man, this team is going to really be good in the future. White Sox, 84 and a half. I already bet that over, and I have them at 60 to 1 to win the World Series. Are they going to win the World Series? Probably not, but I got it at 60 to 1. Now they're like 30 to 1. That team has some serious dudes, and they bring in Yasmani Grandal, who is an amazing catcher at handling a pitching staff. You bring in a guy like Dallas Keuchel, who will be great for the young pitchers like Michael Kopech and Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. I think that team did a lot in the offseason. And if the Indians are going to be as bad as I think they are, that makes room for the White Sox to win 85, 86, 87 games. I went over on Chicago, 84 and a half. I'm with you there with the White Sox. I think they're going to have a terrific season. I think they have a very good chance to make the postseason. And I think they're in the right division. Indians coming back to the pack. I don't think Minnesota will be as good. I love the young talent. You're absolutely right, Sam. We were sitting there last year. Eli Jimenez is dropping bombs against CeCe. And the White Sox smoked the Yankees back-to-back days over at, what, U.S. Cellular or whatever. What do they call that stadium of yours now? I don't even know. I call it Sox Park, but I think the uh, the sponsors would like you to call it Guaranteed Rate Field. Ah, there we go. So, Guaranteed Rate Field. I want to make sure I get it right. But the White Sox, young talent, I believe in it. I played the over. Yankees and the Mets. Yankees at 99 and a half. It went down a couple of wins with the loss of Severino and Judge and Stanton being uncertain. I still like the over. I think they're too good. I think you get 18 with Baltimore. So many bad teams in the American League. How would you play the Yankees? I tend to agree with you. I hate going over such a high number. And, and let's remember, there are some markets that have the Yankees at 101 and a half. Um, so in Vegas, there's been some money on the under. Uh, but I think really that's just smart people looking at their injury list. When you look at the guys that are on the shelf, I mean, Severino off of the year. Hicks might not play until June or July. Judge is hurt every other day. Stanton day-to-day. Pax day-to-day. Does Sanchez have coronavirus? Yes or no, I'm kidding. But, I mean, like, you never know who's going to play with the Yankees. But you're right. I mean, the Red Sox just lost their heart and soul, their MVP, Mookie Betts. Chris Taylor's elbow is on the fritz. That that team is going to be a mess this year. The Blue Jays always suck. The Orioles are awful. And the Rays sort of are what they are. Like, they're going to overachieve. But are they going to win 90 games? I don't think so in 2020. So, even though the Yankees are a little banged up and they've had some injuries, they still have the depth across the lineup and across the rotation. The bullpen is still rock solid, I think. So, yeah, I wouldn't be fading to the Yankees, but I think that they will eat a, I think they'll eat a tough – or a weak division, rather. I think they'll eat it up. It, and it's it, like if they're in the AL Central or the uh, National League West, like I don't know if I'd be playing them over. Uh, but this East, I think, is going to be one of the worst it's been in a while. Sammy, real quick, before we get you out of here, Mets, 86-and-a-half, over-under. I got no feel. Uh, usually I have an answer for every question you ask. I, I have no idea. Um, I, I don't know that I love their lineup enough to go over. I mean, Pete Alonso took the league by storm last year, uh, won the home run title, and he was like 80-1 to 1 going into the year. But can he repeat that? Are they going to be able to pitch around him, other guys in the league? You know, I mean, Demo Conforto and Davis in the outfield. Uh, Robbie Cano, what do you get there? I just have a lot of questions. And then, the rotation, the Grom and Syndergaard, yeah, they're amazing, but what are you going to get from Stroman? 
is Michael Waka going to be the guy he was in St. Louis, or is he still a reclamation project? Like, when I have too many questions about a team, I just cross it off. The Mets were one of the first teams I cross up. I have, I could see it over. I could see it under. I could see him making the playoffs. I could see him missing the playoffs. I have no freaking clue where to start with the Mets. I'm sorry. Sam Panayanovich, a man of many talents, college basketball, MLB futures, my main man. Sammy, I hope if everything checks out, I find my way safely out to the desert and we will be able to catch up soon. Nonetheless, let's kill it this weekend. If you have a best bet for the audience before we get out of here on Wednesday, what would that be? Yeah, it'd be the under Northwestern Minnesota and bet it now, 137. It's only going to keep going down. I would play it right now under minus 137. And you better get your ass on the play. Just bring a mask. You'll be fine. Wash your hands. I'll mask you on. Just like Future said, baby. Mask on. Sammy, I love you, bro. I'll talk to you soon, all right? I'll see you, dude. There you have it. The great Sam Panionovich, chicken dinner. NBC Sports Chicago, real great insight on the conference tournaments, how to handle them. MLB Futures likes the Yankees, going to avoid playing the Mets. Can't blame them on that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.